All right. We are back with your guys, part two. How's it feel to be back two. for part two? Well, just as good as the first time. <laughs> All right. We left off with... Uh, we left off with... Talking uh, about what you were studying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about... Um, you were talking about faith. Yeah, and I, I just want to go back and touch on that a little bit. You know, I yeah. I always get sort of self-conscious and stuff like when I'm talking about these kind of things, but I just want to clarify because there are some things in that and like the way I was explaining about approaching my faith that I didn't feel like completely satisfied with. So like just going back on that and touching it, I just want to say that I was born a sinner saved by the grace of God who Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me and all my sins so he so that my shin, my my uh, my shame, shame and grief, like I don't have to live with that, and I can break all these chains, the emotional uh, uh, like stress and baggage that we all carry because He is powerful and good enough for us. Just what I was explaining last weekend, mm-hmm. last week was um, just um, um, like the the thing that I was studying was about how to to um, take the uh, the the. Uh, life and look at it through the lens or through through uh through the uh what is it called but through the paradigm of of the the truths uh that are told to us uh by the way the world was created to work in the bible so anyway that's just what i was talking about that i was studying uh last week and you know sharing and trying to share all the good that i can and and like trying to trying to keep people on the right track and and like see their see their well-being and growth their at their core not just like acting nice to them on the surface but being really really truthful to them right right and just being honest just being straight and honest and i really straight and honest and and making a decision to go out and point to you know the light and the in the world the good things in the world and the and the the, like may see something that they're blind to because like we're, we're all living in our own worlds all the time but to just try and expand and, and, and uh, shift people's paradigms and, and, um, you know there's so many people out there who who want need and 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 uh who want and need like this this self-reassurance and stuff but sometimes the best self-reassurance is just telling them the truth whether they think they know it or not you know and i I've always welcome that mm-hmm. in my life and whether I've, I've acted appropriately or not at the time that it was told to me, you know, I've always gone back and thought deeply about it. And uh, right, I, right. I just want to carry that forward to all the other people in my life, you know, pointing to the light for those who want need and uh, uh, who, who want and need and for all to see like all the, the good things that are happening in the world and like trying to help people grow out of the darkness that we all rest in. So when you, when you go forth and you try to help people get out of that dark place or just go towards the light and they don't enjoy it or they don't like it, what is your reaction? Do you just go forth or do you keep trying? Well, I mean, I feel like if if, if something is, is like painfully obvious to an objective observer, is not to the subjective participant and and whatever actions or or the ways that they're living or anything. Um, And and just to be clear, like the ways that they're living, like I don't hold any like moral hierarchy because that's not my place to judge, but just like things like, you you know, you've seen people 
their own lives that have have gone out and done things that that have caused them to struggle like emotionally physically whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you could tell them like hey look this thing that you're doing is is, is bad for you and it's really hurting you in these ways and um, what you're saying is is, is the people that that have a hard time or struggle dealing with that like when people tell them or when i or you have told somebody that like the honest truth about what they're doing and what it's doing to them and how you care for them and you don't want to see them like cause themselves any struggle really sad when they when they um when they reject that you know not not because like um i or anybody else as the sharer feels like this need to be um um uh, like reaffirmed by the other person to say that they were listened to no that's not what i'm talking about at all because that would be self-serving but it's just sad to see like people continually choose to go down paths that are hurting themselves um, so, so like to your question, I would say my first action would be to be was is that it's sad, you know, and I can't keep nobody can really push things. All you can do right, is right. tell them and, and plant little seeds in their mind and, and and hope and pray that they realize someday that what they're doing is really actually hurting them. And, and it's really sad to see when uh, when you can see something, but somebody else that is in their own lives can't. And that's why even times recently that I've gone back and been told truths that, that were hard for me to hear, you know, I've always been thankful for people that have said it. And I ha- haven't always been graceful in my receptance of it, but, but I, I always um, try to make amends to the people that um, have said things that, or, or recognize that they said things that I didn't act appropriately on when they said them and coming to a realization later after deeply thinking about it, just mm-hmm. reaching out to them and telling them like, Hey, look, I really appreciate you telling the truth. And I'm sorry I acted, reacted poorly. I know that you, you said it to me of like the bigness of your heart and wanting to see me grow into a, into a better place. So, yeah. It's uh, like you're, you're willing to uh, grow um, from a positive standpoint. Like it's, there's a there's a fine line between um positive growth coming from uh critique and uh what's the opposite the growth what's the opposite of growth it's like uh re- regression you know it's negative regression re- or negative, destruction yeah ne- negative regression um from from critique and the, i think the people that are able to uh achieve growth from critique uh are, are the ones that are able to grow um the most and the and the quickest and i think what critique is is really just honesty coming from somebody else and uh that's something that the world uh desperately needs um you know always um i definitely have noticed that the people that are more honest with themselves are the ones that grow uh much faster and and they their their thinking is clearer and their playing is clearer i mean everything is just you know they're they're well yeah because if you're not honest with yourself you're skewing your own paradigm in in the way that you perceive the world the paradigm is just a term for for like a roadmap, right? The the way we right. see things, like how we, how we see things. Right, well, right, right. Let's say you're trying to maneuver around Chicago, right? If you no matter how hard you try, if you're in Chicago and you want to get somewhere in Chicago, if you're looking at a roadmap of Detroit, you're not going to be able to go where you're going, where you're going. You know, mm-hmm. people that are honest with themselves are able to actually look at their map and say, "Oh, there's this like there's something not right in this map." 
they are able to look at the map as a uh, as as like a, a means to get where they want to go, um, when really they're in the, the the reality of the situation is far bigger than the map, right? So if we're in Chicago, the truth of our situation is that we're in Chicago. The people that that have a hard time taking criticizing criticism or really looking at themselves critically and, and being truthful to themselves. Those are the people that are in Chicago want to get somewhere, but continue to point at the Detroit map and say, no, this is how it is when really they're in Chicago. People that are more honest with themselves and, and really uh, open to uh, outside beliefs, even if they don't agree with that, them at first, like those people that at least consider it, those are the people that are honest with themselves and start uh, start moving over to the Chicago map when you're in Chicago. You know, so the situation that you're in is the truth, and how we view that situation is the map, our paradigm. So the the people that are honest with themselves are more willing to to accept things into their life that could allow for them a paradigm shift to closer align their map with the way things really are in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy is that. Everyone pretty knows, and you, you can feel it when you are going against the grain or going against what you what is probably the right way, or not not even the right way, but a easier way for you to get to your end goal. Because like, if you keep trying to put a note into a boat that doesn't work, you're just gonna it's gonna be hard sooner or later. After um, breaking yourself down and trying to get it through, you get it through, but. Instead, you can just grab another bowl. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so crazy to see people go through that because it's just, it's just like, why do you keep to choose to be like that? And, you know, a lot of that comes from, uh, it, it's comfortable. It is what they know. They don't want to learn anything new. Shoot, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to do anything new. Because I'm scared of what the outcome is, mm-hmm. but um, we're all guilty of it. We all go through it, and then over time, it gets easier, and you understand that being uncomfortable is the new norm. And then after that, you find something else that's a new norm, and you keep growing as a person. Yeah, right. And it's it's also about making the habit of decisions, right? Because not to do anything. Is a, is a decision, but to do something is also a decision. So if you're making decisions on doing something, you're still making decisions. Right? Yeah. Let me rephrase it this way. If you're, if you're making a decision to do something, you're making a decision, right? But if you're not doing anything, you're still making a decision to not do anything, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. about being in the habit of making a decision to better yourself every day. It's not just like sit there and say, oh, today I'm going to do this. Then... Uh, it's about constantly living in that. It's not. It's not saying, "Oh, today I'm going to do this," but it's about living a lifestyle that says, "Okay, today I'm going to do this, 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 and this." And sometimes you might not get to everything, right? But it's about bettering yourself. It's not just like sitting down and saying, "Oh, I have this free time. I'm just going to sit and do nothing or play video games or something." And don't get me wrong, I'm all for like mentally inactive, like fun. Like sometimes video games is great, especially in a social social aspect. But to sit there and play for like an hour or a half hour, an hour, like once a day or once every other day, man, there's, there's just so much that you can learn about the world by, by picking a good book, not just a book, but a good book and reading it or like searching and talking to people who are better than you, who are not as good as you, just talking to people about their perspectives and asking them say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Or actually not being afraid to have an intellectual conversation and 
making the decision to keep doing that when you have time. I'm reading this book right now called Iron John, and the subtitle is A Book About Men. And that <laughs> it's interesting because um, it's kind of not necessarily something that I would typically read. I just got it as a recommendation from a friend who uh, gave me it to borrow. And it it, the, it pretty much takes the story about uh Iron John uh and it's like a it's like a it's like a fairy tale kind of deal story and it has a lot of metaphorical stuff in terms of what a um man has to go through and stuff like that um because it is a book about men but uh, the point is is that the he mentions in this one part that uh the man but like honestly every single person it, it really doesn't it doesn't matter is the person has to like let's say there's something at the bottom of a lake or like a pond or something like that and they these well i'll say it in this way so that it, it makes more sense so there's uh there's a forest in this kingdom and these people uh who live in this kingdom uh, they don't go into this forest because every single time people go into this forest, the hunters and the other people, they never come back. And this one hunter comes along and he says, goes to the king and queen. He says, hey, king and queen, uh, is there any like quests for me, for me to do? And the queen and queen are like, hey, we have this forest that nobody goes in. You want to find out why people keep disappearing? And he's like, oh, that sounds exactly like something that I'd be interested in. So he goes in there with his dog and he stumbles upon this lake. He looks at the lake, and then all of a sudden, a hand comes, pulls his dog inside the lake, and the dog is, you know, is gone. Um, and the man is like, hey, that must be what it is. That's why everybody keeps disappearing, because they keep falling into this lake. So he's like, all right, now that I know what it is, I have to go and figure out what's at the bottom of the lake. Uh, it's more like a pond or whatever. But the point is, it's, a, it's all metaphorical. So they come back to uh, the pond with... Um, more people and they just start bucketing out the water and they get all the water out but the point is is that they had to do all that work so you have a bucket compared to like a lake or a pond or whatever it's a lot of work but you have to do it and that being able to do that in reaching that point where you understand that okay if i want to actually reach my goal of what i want to do there is work that needs to be put in and that work can be uncomfortable because it might be monotonous or tedious or whatever. But the people that are successful, the people that know that they're the one, know and distinguish themselves from the rest of the crowd are the people that are going to that pond and taking a bucket and pouring, it out, pouring out the water. Because eventually, like Dom said, it gets easier and the uncomfortability becomes, you know, just something that's regular. And I think okay. the, the hardest thing for people to do is just to, uh, it's really to start. It's that initial, uh, it's that initial feeling. It's like um, one thing I've also started doing is taking cold showers. And cold showers are so scary to me mm. because that initial shock is so daunting. It's it's not like just thinking about it. You go in and then it's just freezing water. 
it's not freezing, but it's it's very very cold. And mm. then after, but it's kind of it's kind of like if you keep moving around and trying to keep your body warm, then you're just going to be rejecting the fact that you're taking a cold shower and it's going to be uncomfortable the whole time. But if you just settle into it, your body just kind of you lose the tension, and it just be you know you can't you obviously can't spend too long in the cold shower if you're not used to it but mm -hmm. after a while that tension and that stuff becomes you know you're used to it and i think it's um when people go to video games or any type of distraction it's always it's always some it's always that one thing there is something deeper inside of them so somebody who's honest and somebody who's looking at growth is somebody who can you know look look at that stuff and be like this is a distraction and i'm going to notice it and i'm going to tackle what is in is in me that is not allowing me to for me to let let me do my goal like uh i do like distraction but i i also um to be careful with distraction because uh, like continually saying that things have distractions these are distractions um, it can have a very like condemning effect on you um, and what i liked about what you said about earlier about the lake is that it takes work right but to be work there has to be a cost right so if you're putting work into something that's energy right the energy is a cost so um I like to think about it where you where you want to be, where you want to go. And and you could say it as a distraction, sure, but I like saying that there's a cost. If you look at where you're going to be um, and how you're going to get there, let's say that you that you want to play this line over a C7 or like you want to play in this in this style. Let's say you want to let's just say you want to emulate a specific player, right? The cost for emulating that particular player is time with that player transcribing uh like writing your own stuff around what you think that player might think of you know it's, it's about getting inside their mind right but the, the cost to that is time and devotion to that particular topic right so the, the most effective people are cost oriented and not cost as in financially but co cost as well. it can be financially but what's your time you know there's a, there's a cost for everything every single thing with that we do because everything is a, is, is a decision like we talked about earlier there's a cost to playing video games for an hour and a cost to transcribing for an hour, right? So if you want to, if you have a clear idea of where you want to go or you know what you want to be doing, even if you feel like you want to be doing something, there's a cost to doing it and a cost to not doing it. So the cost of putting in time to emulate that specific player is that you are uh, now on a better track to emulate that player. The cost to do something else with that time leads you in a different direction. So if, if you if you have a goal, that's the only thing that you're ever going to do, and uh, and you're spending your time that has a different cost to it. Yeah, it's a distraction, but I like to think of it as cost, like because like I said, I think distractions can can have a very uh, wearing effect. It can take a toll on you because it's a it's I a really love that. Yeah. the the cost cost is like okay, I have this. I have time, I have money, I have some value that I can put into something that I can invest. Right? So where, what is this cost? This cost, I want to go here, so I am going to take these resources that I have and spend it on this so I can invest in this in the future. 
see for me that is so much more forward thinking and so much more motivating to think about stuff like that instead of distraction. Mm. Oh, I like that. That's I a lot love more, that. It's a lot more, uh, <laughs> it's a lot more, uh, it's, I think it puts it, it, it frames it in a little bit of a better way. Cause distraction is, is almost like it's negative. Well, yeah, it's it, exactly. It's negative and not everything that you do. That's like avoiding whatever it is that you want to do is n- technically a distraction. So yeah, I would, I would, I like that. I'm going to start saying that now. When you yeah, like, if, if you want to look at it like this too, time never stops, right? Time is always moving forward. So whether we feel indecisive or not, we're always making a decision to do something and we're always going somewhere because time never stops. Now, the, the, like this is where it becomes particularly important to think about it this way is because time is always moving. You're always putting you're always investing in something. You're always putting a cost somewhere. Right? If the cost is nothing, or if the cost is something, like every, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse that. Everything is something. So whether you're uh, putting your 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 investment into nothing or investment into something depends on where it's leading you. Yeah. Which is why I like cost because time never stops. So you, there's always a cost for doing something. That is, wow, that is so freaking true. <laughs> and something that we something that you and I Jason have talked about is like just education and like different things you do to learn and stuff so we we have like a education section that we want to have for people because um we feel like it's best to draw your knowledge from multiple different sources um, as, a, as opposed to just from one place, um, because it be, makes, makes you more round, well-rounded and just, uh, just a better human being and musician. So mm-hmm. what is something that motivates you to play music? Well, to, the motivation of playing music is, is a lot of it comes from just satisfaction. I really enjoy playing music why would I not do it? You know, like I said, right now I'm, I'm, I'm on hiatus and I'm, I'm dedicating this time to other areas in my life, but playing is extremely satisfying for me. So to do it or to not do it, I don't, I never really thought about it. I just never really thought about why I did it. I just do it because I enjoy it, which is like anything in life really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. definitely. So and plus, of, like, once yeah. you get to a certain point, you can, you can, like, once you get to a certain point, you can start making money off of it. Like, come on, that's cool. That's so cool. All right. That's um, all. Yeah. The ultimate goal, or not the ultimate goal, but one of the goals is to turn one of your, the things that you love into something that's beneficial mm-hmm. in other areas. Yeah, and just seeing the, uh, the, the something else that I want to mention too is just seeing other people playing music. If you go to uh, if you go to Northern Lights on like a Wednesday night or something, and, and you're you're watching like Alan Denard up there, or uh, let, let's say uh, the the newer one on the scene was the that uh, one on Monday and the Barter Jam. Like if if you're up there and you're watching like uh, Jake Schwant, Sean Perlmutter, Sam Copperman, and like uh, let's say. Um, just name it, Alan Denard. I used him before. That's you could just see the joy that's on their faces, like when they're playing. Like, how does that not put a smile on your face to watch these people up there just 
having fun and, and having a good time, knowing that these people spent so many hours on their craft. They're not just going up there and say, yeah, I feel the music man or something. But these are somebody, these are people that are so dedicated to their art that they spend, you know, that thousands, how many ten thousands of hours on it? They go up there and they play and they're having fun on the bandstand. Now, that doesn't happen every time, granted. But look, like if you look at these people, they're so accomplished up on the bandstand and they're having a good time. That's just a feel good thing for me. And then to be able to partake in that as a community event, it's extremely rewarding. You know that that you all have worked on something similar. You also get to share it with each other live in real time. There's a, there's like a certain like addiction there, like a fear thing. But it's like you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But I I know that we're going to have a good time doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, Preach it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how do you carry yourself in terms of like? Uh, you know, when you're around other musicians and on the bandstand and uh, in musical situations. What do you mean by carry myself? Like, how do you, how do you, um, I, I guess act, so to speak. Like, you could, you, for example, like, uh, I know a lot of, uh, young, younger students that act very confidently and try to show everybody that they they know what's up and and that kind of thing and then there are the there are the great master musicians that are the ones who are always like seeking something new and and knowledge and they're always very receptive and open uh so this yeah well I'd, uh, hopefully if there is a carriage to me, hopefully it's, it's, it's uh, like I carry myself with humility and honesty. Um, uh, if there's somebody out there that has an opinion on, on how I carry myself at sessions, I'd love to, to hear it. You, know, you can reach out to me and talk to me about it because I'd be genuinely curious, but I don't think I really put much thought into that. I know there have been times at different stages in, in my playing career where I know I've come into things, um, uh, not humbly, like I've, I've come into things arrogantly. I've come into things um, on the opposite side of the spectrum. Like if I've, had, I've been having a bad time playing or a bad time practicing, like we talked about before, like when it creeps into your self-worth and everything, like I felt down about my playing on, on a self-worth kind of scale. There's been times where I've um, like been like around people and on the bandstand playing where um, I've definitely carried myself as a, a self-deprecating kind of, of, of a person, but I, I know I've been to all extremes of of the spectrum. But hopefully, the, the goal for me is is to carry myself with honesty, as in, in who I am as a person, and my true identity as a living human being, and who cares for very much for other people, and uh, uh, humbleness that I don't know everything and that some people may say things that I don't know and just be willing to recognize that I don't know them and ask them about it to seek more. Yeah. Mm. So in terms of just carrying yourself, um, you talk a lot about uh, the times when you've just been working on yourself, working on your craft, practicing, and you feel as if 
you're just really, really frustrated and you kind of have this almost it's like a ghost that's over you that's that's constantly making you feel like you need to shun yourself if i'm not if i'm wrong yeah um, we talked about that quite a bit last week didn't we where we talked about like being whole as your person versus placing your identity solely in music mm -hmm. yeah Right, so I, I would just refer to that because I think this conversations go, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this conversation seems like it would go down the same path. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, I guess in terms of that, cause I know, like you said, um, you, you said you've been to many extremes. Uh, I know that faith is a big part of your, um, your core, uh, you know, uh, th stuff that the, you practice that helps you. Um, but what are some, I guess, techniques if th they can be, uh, ways to, for, you know, musicians to maybe either like get out of a rut or find ways to, in you know, not inspire themselves, but like keep pushing them to the limits what have what are some things that you found that work for you just recently something that that keeps coming up over and over within the last within the last six months so i'd say the beginning of this year starting in january but but really recently as in like the last month i think that's coming up over and over and over again is just surrender like if you're finding yourself in a rut you're finding yourself not having fun with it just 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 stop you know, it's probably a time that you're meant for something else. You don't have to keep going all the time just because you think you have to be immersed in it 24-7. So if you're looking for inspiration, you're, you're dead in the water. Just stop. Why, why do you keep going? There is something to be said for cultivating creativity, discipline. But if, you're true, if, if you've gone through phases where you're just like pursuing over and over and over again and then you all of a sudden you come up on this on this stint of your your playing or anything where it really starts creeping into your self-worth and then and, and you're just not getting anywhere fast just just stop go explore something else read a book take a hike you know like stop playing for like three days it's not gonna not gonna kill you i mean there are things there are situations where you know there's been weeks where i've had several gigs lined up back to back to back where i've had to learn like do like 15 10 20 30 tunes for this one gig that was like a triad gig or something or um you know like a, or a show band gig where i have to shed doubles or something like that's different because you have a goal that you're working for but if you have no goals or no pressing issues that aren't forcing you into anything you're having a hard time cultivating yourself just stop go like go find a community and then and, and partake in that community even if it's your musician friends like hang out outside of music just Surrender this feeling that you're not getting anywhere. Don't give it, give it up. You don't have to hold on to that, you know. Mm -hmm. Or like that. Um... And then when you surrender, you'll be surprised at how much you find in the in the in other areas of your life where you have interest or is inspiring or it's some other thing that helps you deep down inside of you. Yeah. Once you're able to be be healed away from the thing that you're idolizing. You know, like if you're idolizing music, sometimes you have to be healed from music because there's a lot of emotional scars that come with just living in it when you're not having a good time doing it. Right. A walking prophet.
Mm, I don't know about that. Maybe a voice in the dark. Voice in the dark. There we go. But you just really, you really hit home over here, over here in Dom's room. I think that's just, that's just, you know, that that's really a prevalent, um, issue with a lot of music students is the idolization of music and um the idea that to be whole almost you have to play music you know a lot of people go to music school with the intent of playing music but the amount of people that leave music school and like actually play music for the rest of their lives is much smaller i I for some reason when I was you know just starting off at Wayne I I had this notion that you know people that go to music school are different than every other college student how naive mm-hmm. I was for like mm-hmm. thinking that because it's the same thing if you go to college for you know medicine just because you go to college for medicine doesn't mean you're going to be a doctor just because you go to college to be a lawyer does not mean you're going to be a lawyer you know, it's, 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 I think one of the, the tricky things about college is that, uh, it's almost like, well, you have to pick, you have to pick your major for in like your, the end of your sophomore year, which mm-hmm. is a year and a half to decide your fate, so to speak, is what a lot of people think. Um, but it's really not. And I think that, uh, if, if, you just if you figure out what you want to do early that's great but it's like um there's a lot of opportunities to try different things and i think that college is one of those things where you do have a lot of opportunities to try those things and i think that is the different the, the thing that people need to realize um a lot of music students and just people in general that go into education or that are in education like in in college they that College isn't a place to try different things. It's not a place to destine yourself to being one certain thing. Um, and so if you choose the path of music, like you said, there can be a lot of emotional strife. But um, I, I guess it's just, it, it, it all comes back to like how you said to surrender and also to just be aware of yourself and no no not no but like allow yourself to take the time to just figure out what you need to figure out and if that mm-hmm. means you need to stop playing music for some time then that's completely fine culture john coltrane what was it he there's like the story where he wasn't even like he wasn't that good in his 20s and then when he was 30 he started to get like really good I, mm-hmm. he did take a while to blossom that's yeah. for sure yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like some things to say on that is that, um, like, if you're if you're going to music school and thinking that you're only going to be a musician, and you find out that, um, like struggling and you're not at a good place like, in your life, like in your in your soul, and you're really being hurt, it's because you have nothing else. You know, what are you What are you doing? You're you're going to music school, and that's great at all, but. It's not like that, that's such a small part of life as a whole. Like, l- 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 let's say you live to just throwing out a number. You live to be 100 years old. There's people that get to play music for 100 years of their life, right, from the time they're zero. But the, for the vast majority of people, like, you're going to have to do something else every once in a while. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's a good thing. Like, you want to be able to do different things because if you're only doing one thing, you know how much pressure that puts on yourself? It's an unbelievable amount of pressure. 
I'm not saying that if you if you had the chance to do only music and you want to do that, that by all means take it. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just mm-hmm. one one size does not fit all. And if you think that you're only going to be playing music, some people do that and some people don't. But at the end of the day, like diversification is a beautiful <clears throat> gift, you know. And I'm not saying you have to go get day jobs anywhere else if you don't want to. Like you don't have to do that. This is open for what you want to do. And if you idolize only being a musician the whole time, there's, there's it's like that, that can take you, like we were talking about with the, the paradigms earlier with the roadmaps. If you think all of that you want to do your whole life is being a musician, you are, you are telling yourself that you have a map of Detroit, right? And you really live in Chicago because it, you can't just tell yourself that and have it become true. You have to look at what's around you and follow your interests and your passions and say like, I really enjoy music, but there's other parts of my life that I also have to consider. I can't just keep this roadmap of Detroit. You know, I might have parts of Chicago, but I want the whole map of Chicago so I can see where music fits into it. Um, so that's, that's just a little bit of thing on, on idolization. And as far as like going to school, thinking that you're gonna do it, I think like as I went through college and now that I'm like, on, on the back end, school is for, it's, it's, I mean, higher education. They call it higher education. School is for your education. So like I, I don't think you, like if, if you are getting somewhere in life and you want to learn something, then you go to school. You know, like I, I don't, like I think it's fundamentally flawed that, that we have to go into colleges right away to be, be like, these whole citizens of, of America with high paying jobs and stuff like that. No, I think that's a, I think that's a bunch of hooey. It is a bunch of hooey. Yeah, like a college. lot of it is just based upon how much money can we make. In a- right. And uh, I wish, I wish there would have been people that have told me and I would, well, maybe people did tell me, and this is, this is maybe where I have to work on myself. Maybe people did tell me that and I didn't want to recognize it earlier in my college career or before I went to college. Um, but I, I wish this is something that I would have realized uh, a long time ago. You know, the fact that I was going to school because I wanted to, and because I was having a fun time learning to, what the school had to offer me, mm-hmm. you know, and not because I had to get anywhere. Yeah. Well, like a lot of the time school is always great. It's always great to learn knowledge and, you know, you can pretty much learn a boatload of knowledge from anywhere nowadays you have the internet you can pretty much look up the whole course and learn it yourself in some cases you can't like i can't teach myself to be a doctor i can't teach myself to um do surgery on a heart some things just require school some things just don't but i would would argue and say that most Mm -hmm. things don't Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's there's a reason that dominated cultures until the last what fifty years was the apprenticeship system, the apprenticeship program. Not just saying like, oh, I'm going to get an apprenticeship to go here, but just by by nature of how you're living, like you fall into certain things and you seize opportunity when you see it. No, now we have the 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 freedom and the ability to go do anything we want, which is such a luxury, but. Like you can't blind yourself and think that luxury is the way that it has to be because at the end of the day, if you if you look at history through human history, or if you look at the way people do things through human history, it's not just because they wandered off to do something that they like to do. That's such a privilege, and I really appreciate that it's here. But the unfortunate 
downside of that is that it, it can it can take a lot of people away from the truth. It can it can give this, them this roadmap of Detroit when really they're living in Chicago. Right, like a lot of people don't realize back back in just our parents' ages and before that, you didn't have a choice in terms of what you wanted to do, well, you, where you, you live, and like, well, like you had a very limited amount, you know. Like, if you were the butcher's son, you're probably going to be a butcher. Let's let's discern a little bit the, like, choice and, um, what was I going to say? Choice and opportunity. Okay. okay opportunity okay. Is, has opened up. The choice is, uh, is, uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me think about this for a second. I know what you're saying. You're saying that I, there's definitely a difference between opportunity and choice because we, we. So oh, th- th- that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Opportunity. I think opportunity has changed a little bit, but the problem that we're facing is that. Let me rephrase that. Opportunity. I think opportunity has definitely gone up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is by far out of the realm. Of, of increase that we have had in choices. So choices have gone so far in the last 50 years. Choices went up astronomically. As right. far as opportunity, opportunity hasn't changed that much. You know, it has changed a little bit, but it hasn't changed that much. Like when you lived like Dom, what, what was that example that you were just using? I was it, just using like um, uh, a butcher, a butcher's son. Right. So if you're if you're a butcher's son and you live in that world, and let's say you're kind of pigeonholed into this uh, uh, into this world of being a butcher's son, you know, like the stereotypical like thing where your son follows parents and, and and that kind of things, and that's what he grows up to doing. Let's say we're we're following that that uh, ideology. So your opportunity is small, and your choice is a little bit bigger than your opportunity. Choice will always be bigger than opportunity because choices are basically endless, right? But opportunity mm-hmm. is not endless. Opportunity is the truth. Opportunity is Chicago. So when you're when you grow up as the butcher's son, you have opportunity in front of you, but it's not as big as your choice, right? But choice doesn't always lead to opportunity. Nowadays, with the internet and uh, colleges and all these different degrees that you can mm-hmm. that you can major in, people think. That opportunity has grown a, a lot. Well, it has, but it has not grown at the rate that choices have. Choices have become astronomically uh, increased. So be, because you can get a, a, deg- a degree in, I don't know the exact number, but let's just say a, a million degrees or some, some crazy number. There's a lot of degrees out there. That doesn't, mean that, that doesn't mean there's opportunity for them, though. Yeah. You know, and it, I, don't, well, right. I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting these degrees. I think learning about this stuff and getting these degrees, if you have an interest or a passion, I, I think that's really good. But you can't be guided by your passion because your passion doesn't always lead it by opportunity. You should keep passion close to inspire you. So you keep passion close to you, but you never be led around by it. And I think that's where we get to the discernment between opportunity and choice. Mm. Yeah. That is absolutely. so true. That's, that's why... There's so many choices. Yeah, I like that. Um, I I also think that, like, it is becoming increasingly harder to, because of that. And like what you're saying, there's there's definitely more difficulty in in deciding what you have to do. 
Um, because like you said, opportunities are there. They have not increased to the same extent as choices. So if I need to make a choice about which college I want to go to, that's very challenging. And so I think that in the system that we have now, opportunity is viewed upon as you will get your opportunity if you go to college. But more and more, we're seeing that that's not always necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people, actually, oh, my best friend's dad uh, went to Berkeley uh, College of Music in the 80s, and he was there for about two years. And uh, what's amazing is he had Gary Burton was like the head of the jazz department. He was uh, in, in, the, in the school for jazz. Uh, yeah, okay. Chick Corea was like a constant lecturer there. He had a bunch of people. Uh, oh, Quincy wow. Jones was the his arranging teacher. <laughs> so he has all of these opportunities. This is amazing. And he didn't finish his degree. He uh, dropped out. And now he is uh, a very, very, very successful um, businessman. He has his own uh, company in the cloud. And mm. uh, what's interesting is that now, I mean, he is doing something that he's super interested in, but the, his passion for music hasn't necessarily gone. But, you know, that, that, like, that's a person who, like, obviously had a lot of choices, you know, like he's, he has and a lot of opportunities, but your opportunities, uh, your choices uh I i'm kind of trying to figure out how to say this like he had a, a lot of opportunities but he made the choice and so those choices led to a different spot so mm -hmm. the more choices that we have the harder it is to decide because we're like oh man there's so many opportunities but mm -hmm. i think that the one of the biggest things is to like you said like surrender um but also like i think a uh, a way of um, continuing the the surrender thing, like to to elaborate on it, is also to say to slow down, um, because we live in such a fast paced society where you have to decide, um, and we want to make those decisions quickly, but we don't have we feel like we don't have that opportunity to slow down, um, and so. Did you, uh, I'm sorry, did you equate the two, slowing down and surrendering? Yeah, like, surrendering is, you have, you know, like, for example, you have these, feel, like, you're in a rut, for example. Uh, I know a lot of people that are in ruts because they try to take on too much. So they're like, I have to do all of this stuff. Oh, but I'm not getting anywhere, you know? And so I'm in a rut, for example. And so somebody who surrenders... Uh, they surrender, say, okay, I don't have to practice, for example. But they have to slow down and uh, I think, uh, I think that that's good, yeah. and I think they can work together, but I wouldn't call them the same, and I wouldn't equate them. I meant, I was saying, like, that's why I said, like, to elaborate on. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I didn't mean yeah. to equate them. Um, okay, yes. They are two so different they, things. They, they're related, and they can work together, but they, they're right. not the same thing as what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but they don't have... Um, what's the word? Yeah, the, learned their... So sociology. Uh, it'll come back to me. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, but it's it's interesting because the like the choices like we were saying there's so many of them and it's very overwhelming. And uh I I think we all all of us all three of us have had to deal with a lot of choices that we had to mm-hmm. make in our lives and it's it's obviously something that you you get better at. Um but it it also comes back to being honest is like to to really make a choice you have to be as honest with yourself as possible. And Well the one thing yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, being honest with yourself is not always easy. That's 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 how I was going to finish that. No. What were you going to say down? I, I was just going to say a lot of those choices so like you just different places give you different opportunities in this world that's just that's just how it works unfortunately like you don't get the same opportunities as somebody that lives in uh california and and hollywood like if you want to be a movie star just like you were saying detroit chicago but in this instance everyone just doesn't get the same opportunities and it's in that case, it's taking the leap of like, okay, if I want to get these op- these type of opportunities, I have to go to another place. That's one think- aspect of like accepting, okay, maybe I just want to, tr- maybe I need to go somewhere new. And, and literally put myself in the most awkward state ever. Sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes people end up coming back, but a lot of the time, people come back because they just give up mm. on the opportunity. Because sometimes when you think of, when you were talking about costs, it kind of g- gave me like a game mindset. I play, I used to play a lot of games. I, I play a moderate, a lot of games. I usually just, just do it so I can connect with my friends. But um, nowadays, but uh, costs and it's almost like different levels of of opportunity there are very easy opportunities and for example an easy opportunity can could be a 50 dollar gig or the easy opportunity could be oh um i can go walk some dogs for five dollars an hour as a little bud or the hard the hard opportunity could be going and trying to start a business with only $500, but you're trying your hardest and you just, you don't stop until you get what you want. And I feel like those type of opportunities are are difficult and people have to understand that you just have to find the way of getting through that opportunity and making the choice to take that now that's when you take take your choices you have you have so many opportunities that you can choose but it's just being okay with just choosing the opportunity that is pre- presented to you and being okay to understand what it takes to do the opportunity or in in some instances seeing that maybe this is not possible but can i make it possible mm-hmm. yeah and the thing that you had said was that you think it's unfortunate that that um 
some people, like not all places had the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what you think? Um, now that I, <laughs> it's funny because I kind of like contradicted myself because those opportunities could be placed anywhere. It's just how hard it is. Cause like, if you live in, in Hollywood, it might be easier to, that opportunity might be easier. But if you in Detroit or let's say you're just in like Maine or something, and there's just not that many jobs, but there's still jobs, but some of them are harder because you have to do a lot more work. It's just the difference between, um, opportunity. So now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Work is irrelevant. It doesn't matter how much work you put into it. It's just like it's a cost thing. You mm-hmm. don't want to. There's there are jobs everywhere that's a lot of work, and there are jobs everywhere that's not a lot of work. I'll just depend. It goes back to the whole cost ratio thing. If you put a lot of mm-hmm. work into it, and your efforts are are, are um, if you're diligent in your time and you have goals and you know where you want to be, uh, then then that cost is 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 can can pay off. But I want to say that I think it's. It's, it's fortunate that we live in a world where opportunity is not the same everywhere. Not that there's less opportunity. It depends on where you're looking. It, it, mm-hmm. it, just because you live in Maine doesn't mean there's less jobs or less opportunity, opportunity than if you live in Hollywood. There are different opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Not lesser, mm-hmm. but more. There are different opportunities. And I think that's a beautiful thing because if we all lived, let's say there's this u- utopia where we could do anything that we wanted at any given time, ever, anytime, anything, that that if you have like five choices for breakfast cereals, you can't tell me that you don't have a harder time struggling with picking out your breakfast cereal than if you had two choices. You know, so I think it's an extremely fortunate thing that we live in a play in in a world where there's opportunities everywhere because it's, it forces you to make choices. We as people, we have a hard time making choices on our own until we get into the habit of making these choices. But at some point. It has to be things that push us to make choices, push us to bigger levels, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. the community around you, whether it's the place that you live and the opportunity that 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 reach provides. I think choices are an extremely important part of both in self-development and to that uh, we live in a w- world, like I said, that has uh, different uh, opportunities in different regions. I think that's a really good thing because it can shape you in a lot of ways that are that um, if, if, if it was only left up to your devices and what you wanted to do, that I think there's a lot of tracking factors from there because it, it sounds like a good idea on the surface it does it really does i think that if mm-hmm. uh, that, that that if we were presented with that situation that however that it would lead to to a lot of indecisiveness if, if you walked into a grocery store and there was let, let, let's say that all of the products in the grocery store are of equal value like like if you walk into a store with one thing on this particular section and you walk into another store with five things in this particular section, they're of, of, of equal quality. Quality is not an issue. We're taking that factor out because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you go into a grocery store that has 2,000 selections of every single product that they carry, you're going to spend all day in the store and your chances are you're not going to make a lot of decisions on things. Right? If you walk into a store that has five selections on each item, there's going to be you're going to be able to make decisions a lot easier, and you're going to get out of the store quicker and move on to other things, other pressing matters that you have going on in your life. I think having different regions with different opportunities is a good thing because it forces us to make decisions. So, would you say that the 
the cost kind of method helps you with those decisions or what well yeah the cost, yeah. The cost like the cost like if, if if you're if you're a grown adult you don't see everything as a cost whether it's financial or spiritual or um, where you're placing your time or anything like that if you don't see those decisions as a cost like i I'm sorry, but you're just not like it, it's not as effective. The, the most effective people see things as costs. Where are you putting your time? How you're spending this? What investments are you making in yourself? And as far as making decisions, I mean the the fact that we live in different regions with different opportunities, it just narrows down your choices a little bit so that you can make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I don't. What you asked, I'm kind of. Um, I don't understand fully. If I didn't answer it, would you mind explaining the question again? Um, I, I, I think I, what I was just trying to go for or, or ask is just um, I do agree with the the fact that it is so wonderful that we have all these opportunities and that we have opportunities to to choose from. Um, I was just wondering is your way of narrowing down and kind of almost seeing only a couple, uh, a couple choices to make in terms of, you said a store might have 2000, a store might have five, a store might have one with those 2000 stores. And maybe with the, the stores that have the five on the shelf, how do you choose better i guess um how do you choose better in terms of how do you move on quicker like okay i see 2000 i want this one boom oh i mean i mean that just comes back to like what do you want and when you make that decision stick with it like there's no point let's say you go to a store and buy a cereal well, let's say you move on from the cereal aisle, but you're still in the store, and you say, hey, I bought this cereal, but I, I, I'm second-guessing myself, and I don't feel certain that I picked the right cereal for my breakfast tomorrow. If you go back and look at the cereal aisle, that's wasted time. You already have a cereal in the cart, and you'll run out of it someday, and you can go get another cereal box someday. But don't. once you make a decision, move on. No, don't keep shopping in the store forever because you'll never get anywhere. You'll stay in the store the whole time. I want to bring up something that I was just thinking about uh, in terms of like opportunities and choices. Uh, the I'll I will say that different places have different opportunities, but I want to also mention that not every single person has the same opportunities as every other person, mm-hmm. but every single person has many different choices that they can decide to do. Um, and I think that's, um, that's a really important uh, distinction to make in terms of just ap- applying this conversation to, like, um, music and deciding, like, what you want to do. Um, not everybody can be a musician. Um, oh. And... F- for a really like a very very over exaggerated example there's a lot of people uh that are uh amputees or have breathing problems or anything like that or are 
or are paralyzed or any of that kind of medical stuff that's, you know, really unfortunate um, that, you know, they, they can't play music. Um, so that that is an example of just to say that, again, not everyone has the same opportunities. So it really comes down to deciding in your choices because we are, we have the opportunities that we have. And so... Um, I think, I don't know if deep down inside every single person knows which opportunities are better, but I think that trusting in instinct, because most people, most people's instincts are, are usually that of good. Um, yeah, well on, on that, I mean, you could even take the Miles Davis quote. It's not the note that you played, but it's the next note that you play after that, which makes it hip. So each person like knowing which opportunity is best for them i don't think that matters as much as what you do with what you're given right. what you do with what you choose this also goes back to the cereal box if you take out that cereal box don't go back to the cereal box aisle because you don't even know what you can do with that cereal yet you know like if, if you get uh uh like like uh, uh rice krispies like you go home then you realize that you can like melt it in with marshmallows and butter and stuff and you can make rice krispie treats with it like you didn't know that when you were at the store you have to leave the store to figure out how to use your opportunities. So I just want to make it clear, too, that one size does not fit all, like I said earlier. And I agree with you that even if you're looking at different regions, like each reason or each region that has opportunity, I was still saying that that's based off each individual person in that region's opportunity level, mm -hmm. based on like everybody in this region has these sets of opportunities. I'm, I'm, I'm not making a case for that at all because I think that's false. Uh, I was basing that on each individual's opportunity in, in any particular region. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, Dom is on mute. I'm not sure why. Maybe he had to use the bathroom or something. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we've we've spent a little bit of time on this uh, topic, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the case to move on to the next question. Oh, yeah, move on. Let's not stay in the same store the whole exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, uh, you're good. Uh, so, uh, you talked to me a little bit about when you were practicing, Jason, uh, what you were practicing. And uh, the, the question is, like, what are you, uh, like, how do you practice? And maybe, like, if you are practicing, like, what are you practicing i know you're not playing right now but maybe like the the last thing that you were practicing and i know you mentioned it earlier uh uh on uh, last week mm -hmm. but yeah i think practicing for me is just it's it's based off the same principles the same deep down principles of the way the world works that we've just been talking about like practicing for me is like little lives like little little how you're leading your life things so it's about opportunities. So if I and it's about making decisions, keep pushing boundaries and learning something new and 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 uh, surrendering things that you've worked on because you don't have them fully to work on something new. Maybe coming back to it later, but allowing each like everything uh, time to to sit and blossom before you come back to it and and really put all your energy into it every every time that you practice. Uh, anything that you practice. So. Uh, along with the whole like cost thing like you, to take that to practicing what what is my cost for practicing this and what is my cost for practicing that what is my cost for playing on my phone for five minutes playing on my phone for five minutes might have a bigger cost than those five minutes because now you have to get like you've taken away focus from practicing 
now you've distracted yourself and then it takes you time to get back into practicing afterwards you're not really living in the practice world so about like 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 discernment like am i going to practice or am i not going to practice and once you if we take that then once you make the decision to practice fine i'm in practice and then you stay checked into practice mode uh, sometimes I'll practice for like an hour and a half and I won't be distracted. And other times I'll, I'll practice for 20 minutes and then I'll start feeling distracted. And then um, depending on if I need to get something done or if it's just not coming out, like if I didn't have a lot of sleep the last night, maybe I'll go take a nap for 10 minutes and then come back and hit it hard for another 20 minutes. You know, but, uh, it, it's not rigid because anytime you try to impose something rigid as a, a defined schedule that cannot be shifted around, um, to something as, as free-floating as, as humanity or, or music in general, um, the, 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 of course, like, you're not going to be able to fit it into this little box. The little boxes help, and I, I've always been an advocate for discipline, so I don't want to take this too far and say that you don't have to have any structure. I'm saying if you're, if you're practicing and your warm-up is, uh, let's, say, let's say you practice in three stages. You practice warm-ups you practice like uh, uh, technical exercises and then you practice creativity. So let's just say you take a practice. If you, like, I think like, especially for a wind player, warming up is important. There might be days where I spend an, an hour and a half on just warming up, tonguing exercises, tone, octave slurs, all that kind of stuff. Then maybe I'll spend like 50 minutes on, on uh, technique and then uh, 30 minutes on creative exercise. Well, there might be another day I practice um, like five or ten minutes of warm up, and then I spend fifteen minutes on on technical exercises. And then I spend you know another hour and a half on creative practicing, which is just like blowing over changes, like blowing over changes with discipline, not just like saying like. So let me let me dive into a little bit of creative practice too, because I've been coming to this realization within the last four or five months. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, there's a difference between uh, uh, practicing to play and, and practicing playing. Practicing to play is like learning your licks in all 12 keys and, and doing like exercises over, over like chord changes and stuff like that. Playing is surrendering that and letting go so you can play, like you can, you can build that ear, that mind-ear finger connection so that, that it all comes smoothly out. So you're not approaching it with any sort of agenda. Um, so I just wanted to make the, the discernment between um, the two the two different types of creative practice that have that have been in, and I suppose mm. if you take the first part of that that's that's not even creative practice. It's more technical or uh, uh, mind mind uh, technique practice, where it's like taking licks over keys or taking ideas like you know, let's say a hemioic pattern of five over chord changes that move in seven or eight or something like that. Very, very um, interesting. Yeah. So. There's there's different aspects to my practicing too. It's not it's not like on practice session. There's many practice sessions with inside the practice session and inside of all of this this whole practice session with all of these levels are are choices. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about um, practicing to play and practicing playing, um, I just want to clarify: Are you saying practicing playing is like? How 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 would you? I I understand what the difference is, but I'm curious how you, uh, are doing that. Like, are you practicing playing by playing, 
or are you practicing playing by putting yourself into like the zone of how you are going to be playing? What is putting yourself into the zone? Like, like how like, you're approaching it on the bandstand? Like the, when you're playing, you should, you, you, your goal is not to be thinking about what you're playing. Your, your playing should be effortless. You, there's no, you shouldn't have thoughts about what, what lines you're playing when you're playing music because you, um, as Hal Galper says it, um, the intellectual, uh, it says the, the intellectual cannot move as fast as like the, uh, the, like the intuition, you know? So is what I mean is, are you like the zone, like practicing, like, not getting like distracted or whatever when you're playing or like you practicing focus, I guess. Um, Cause when I, when you said like practice playing, I'm just kind of trying to figure out, uh, is that just like playing, you know, just, just playing by yourself. Right. I just want a quick sidebar and say, I'm glad you brought up Hal Galper. I, I absolutely love his teaching when it comes to music and, all of his like if you haven't checked him out he has a bunch of master classes on youtube and stuff and i i do enjoy a lot of his playing his book is also really good forward motion uh, it's, it's extremely insightful and it doesn't teach you to think in certain ways it teaches you how to think so it's more of like a character development as far as music concerned than a personality development personality development is like telling people to play licks over stuff but character development is telling you oh well this works because it lines up in this rhythmic sequence, which is based in like like bebop history, which comes from the New Orleans second second line march, like kind of thing, and it's like it's like a back explanation on perceptual thinking on how uh, things that work work instead of telling you to do things that work. So, yeah. Any, anyway, just the sidebar. I love Hal Galper. If you haven't checked him out, I would go check out his book and, and his master classes. They're insightful. We'll include his stuff uh, in the show notes and. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like uh, like pr- uh, practicing playing and playing, or however we worded it before, um, the, the two different sides to it is practicing playing is like let's say I'm working on all the things you are, and I'm playing a repetitious pattern to either a learn the chord changes, b learn the pattern. Um, or any other variables that you could come up with because it's so, or, or like, like that pattern over the chord changes and hemiolas or something like that. Like very specific things that you're working on. Or like, let's say over these changes, I'm going to use these substitutes on every chorus. Like that's practicing playing. You need that to build in like this. Um, uh, what, how did you say how Galper phrased it? I, I'm blanking on the, that. The uh, intellectual. The, yeah, intellectual is slower than like the intuition. Right, but you need to have that intellectual side of it. So you have to like prepare to play. You have to pr- uh, practice playing before you play, right? So practicing playing is about building up this intellectual body that encompasses your sound. You practice things that you like to hear, right? So that you build up this uh, this uh, uh, brain matter muscle memory, so that and and which translates into your ear. So you're hearing things over these tunes now, and, and you're hearing things that weren't there before that you put in there that you want to do, right? So this is all like the intellectual practice, and I suppose I'll use I'll use his terms then: intellectual practice, 
intellectual creative practice and uh, intuitive practicing. That's, that's the intellectual practicing side. After you do that, or maybe even sometimes before you do that, because I've had a lot of progress with um, intuitive practice beforehand and realizing I couldn't do something and then transforming it into an intellectual practice. But uh, intuitive practicing is about, okay, like I, I either haven't worked on this stuff or I have worked on this stuff. And if I have or haven't, to play like what I am feeling, you know, like intelligently, of course, but like, I'm not going to stick to any specific patterns over all the things you are. I'm not going to do any specific substitute changes. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to create the best melody that I can on the spot. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like focus on what to do over these chord changes, but I'm going to play what my ear hears melodically, everything that I've trained my ear to do so far, this is its play time. This is when it gets to go roam free in the playground and climb the monkey bars or slide down the slide if it wants to. <laughs> yeah. You know, like first you have to learn how to climb the monkey bars and you have to learn how to slide down the slide, right? You have to learn how to climb up the backside of the slide and slide down the front of the slide, right? But once you've done this, then you can go around at any, or like an obstacle course, then you can go around in obstacle courses and, and pick any playground tool that you want and go have fun on it without yeah. thinking of how it operates. Now I want to go play on the playground. I was just about to say, I'm about to go on a swing set real quick. Yeah, and then, like, even going back to my practice structure, like, like I said, uh, warming, like doing warm ups first and technical exercises and then like creative playing. Sometimes that's not, that's, that's not even rigid either. Like there'll be, days where I don't even really warm up, but I jump straight into intuitive playing, which sort of tells me that I need to do some intellectual playing, which sometimes informs me that I need to do some technical exercises, which tells me, wow, I didn't really warm up and I'm having trouble with all of these things. So sometimes working backwards is really effective too, because it shows you your progression of how to practice and why it's meaningful uh, or why the order in which you do things can be meaningful, or if it's not meaningful, the order in which you do things, how you can refine it to, to be more effective in your practice. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. So, Jason. Yo. Other than music, of, co of course, we know you work in construction. Are there any other hobbies that you have in terms of just things that you just do that's other than those couple things like your hobbies it might be of course L lewis's was anime what's yours or it can be uh, as many as you want yeah i think there's a few things i could definitely tell you um shamefully but i'll own up to it i played way too many video games in like middle school and high school <laughs> um, so that was a like I didn't really learn much before then because I was so addicted to them. Now I think they're fun, but but I'm certainly not addicted to them. I'll play them like maybe once every other week or so, um, which is good for me. Other people like to play them more, but that that's good for me. Maybe I'll play it every month, like once a month, once every other month. I don't know. I don't really keep track of how I play them. Probably once every other month because I haven't. I'll tell you what, I haven't played since February, January, February. So, I mean, take that as how you will. But I used to do that, and sometimes I'll come around to it if it's a, if it's a social thing. Recently, within the last few weeks, uh, I've been doing a lot more uh, uh, woodworking, like creating things. Like, I really like creating things. And uh, I made a little desk organizer and a shoe rack. This Later this week, mm. what I want to do is build a, a lofted bed frame with, like, a built-in desk underneath and, uh, like, a... Like, uh, 
dresser drawers and stuff with rope lighting around it and stuff because I'd, I'd, I really enjoy like, making these furniture type things. I don't know if I'd ever do it like for, for like a, a living or not, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to follow the opportunity because I already have some jobs lined up for it and I just really like doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So I do that Sounds stuff. Great. I'm finding a lot. I'm finding more and more as time goes on. I really enjoy reading. Um, in the pursuit of knowledge, I really, I really like the pursuit of knowledge because as you get farther into it, you start uh, realizing patterns. And uh, say you read something in this book, but it corroborates with another thing that you read in another book. You can cross-reference books, and mm-hmm. that gets me excited. Just being able to cross-reference things. Like I learned this thing in the Mark Levine Jazz Theory book, but then I heard like Gary Shunk talk about it or something like that and you know, Danilo Perez talk about it and it's like whoa this is, well I can finally start making the connection seeing it in action and the pursuit of knowledge just gives you that like you can you can you can cross reference things and things relate to each other and then and more like wisdom is imparted with how to use these things as you acquire more knowledge and seek it in different places it's so wonderful doing those I love connecting knowledge especially mm-hmm. like I like to call it local knowledge like if I hear Russ say something, but then I hear Vince say something, but then I hear you say it, and it's just like, whoa, <laughs> are they being taught by the same person? Woo. Probably. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> local local knowledge can sometimes transfer into uh, like international uh, knowledge. Like if, if you mm-hmm. hear this thing, and then all of a sudden it comes out in maybe a little bit different way in a different region. It's like, whoa, that's pretty cool too. Like, like this mm-hmm. kind of correlates to everything that I've been learning over here locally within my own little little community whether it's just a friend circle or like a region um like a different a different social group or region might have like have come to similar conclusions and you can kind of relate the two back and, and, and a lot of the times they'll have little discrepancies and that's what i really enjoy because that's yeah. how you're mm-hmm. learning we get to the little discrepancies and things that people say um, and then you can like because those little things lead to more more, more truthful responses more intellectual conversation Mm-hmm. It is yes, and I love mm-hmm. those those dialogues, those conversations, because people yeah. learn, and we learn as people. Yeah. Sure. Uh, another hobby is just like uh, I I enjoy drawing a lot. Like I have some some drafting things that I've done, like pencil sketches and, and shading and all that. I really enjoyed that. Mm. That's that's also really great for the mind in general, building mm-hmm. creativity as well. Because I what used a- to draw the same car. <laughs> box and it had really sharp corners and i thought it was so good like little pizza wheels yep i <laughs> <laughs> i noticed when i started getting into uh into like uh, drafting like pencil sketches and shading and stuff is that i realized that it's crazy because when you look at a picture my first reaction was i always wanted to color in the bright spots on the picture because those are the spots that stood out the most uh, a, a paradigm mm-hmm shift that i had was that i had to start filling in the areas that you didn't notice so it like one thing that did for me was it just it gave me a, a lot more appreciation for the details and like how we perceive things and like the finer details of what is like darker parts like let's say a shadow on somebody's faces is something that you're going to have to color in but that's not the part that you see in real life you know it was really interesting right. um thing for me to to realize that like Oh, the uh, the darker parts on your face is what gives the uh, it what make the light parts stand out more, you know. So, like for the light parts to stand more, like you have to figure out what to shade in. So it's like almost thinking backwards in a way. It was really strange at first. 
the perfect balance. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of Miles Davis. Miles Miles Davis's quote, uh, and I think a lot of people have said this, but it's it's not about the notes you play; it's the notes that you don't play. Mm. Same thing with it's 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 kind of interesting how every uh, everything is kind of everything, and that also relates to uh, what what you were talking about earlier. They're um, all re- reiterations of mm-hmm. a simple concept. Well, uh, well, yeah. because they're all based in similar principles. So the, you can you can have a million concepts, but a lot of them could be all be based on the principles. And the principles are the absolute truth, facts of life. Things are like things work in certain ways. That's, that's yeah. just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, Jason, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, so uh, we're going to move on to our last two sections, and this. This first section is called uh, Hip the Listener. And Mm. this is where we have you, the guest, hip the listener to anything, whether it be music, art, events, movie, documentary, whatever you want, hip the listener. Oh, man. I wasn't expecting this at all. No one is. Just get ready. (laughs) There's more. There's more to come. Give me a second to think about this. It's all right. Take your oh, time. Take all your right. Time. Well, if it, if it can be on any subject, um, uh, this book that I'm reading uh, by Stephen R. Covey, it's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I would highly recommend checking that out because that is just, this book is just so incredible. Definitely. Definitely. We will have it in the description. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. So, uh, and then we have. Musically, nothing really comes to mind right now. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to take away. Go ahead. No, you're good. If you wanted to, uh, like, leave it, leave, uh, tell us anything else that was awesome. I, I didn't realize that you were going to say anything else. So now oh, we have. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. That's. Oh. That, I think that's about all I had to say. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, now we have our last, last um couple questions. Get ready to be uh, shooting things at us. These are the M. D questions. They have lists of questions and they're tailored to you as they as we get deeper into them. And these are rapid fire, okay? So you can't you we don't want you to have time to think about this stuff. This stuff needs You gotta to blurt it out. Exactly. All right. Here we go. First question. Top three albums. Top three albums. Uh probably um, I did listen to Joe Lovano's Nanette live at the uh, at the Village Vanguard quite a bit. Uh, Cannonball Adderley's, uh, it, it's a tie between, uh, what's that, that record with Del Sasser on it? Um, shoot, I forget what that record name is. I like Del Sasser, Dat Deer, Them Dirty Blues. Might be the two albums that I'm thinking of, but one of them has like High Fly, Spontaneous Combustion, and then another one has... Oh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so so that was them it. dirty blues is th- that one. Yeah, so them dirty blues, and then what's the album that he did arriving soon on? Oh crap! Oh, the other one is the Cannibal Adderley Quintet in San Francisco. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, those those two are like tied. Um, and then just off the top of my head, but uh. <laughs> Eric Dolphy video, or the, I'm sorry, Charles Mingus 
He is uh, with uh, when he's over in Europe with Eric Dolphy, and Eric Dolphy takes that crazy bass clarinet thing on "Take the A Train" for like twelve minutes or whatever it is. Is this a mm. video? Yeah, it's it's a video that's on YouTube. That's awesome. I've never. I'm seen sorry. That. There there has to be four. The fourth one and the number one was like the Dexter Gordon um, Lady Bird. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All there's, right. There's. Those are just off the top of my head. Didn't think about them. Cool. Uh, the next one is, what is in your current music rotation? Oh, I've been listening. I've been sort of getting back into, into Gene Ammons. Um, he's there. Also, um, some more. I've been going back to him a little bit more recently. Before I took my hiatus, I was spending a lot of time on, the, on some of the Chris Potter solo stuff. Okay. Um, uh, on Jones, been spending some time with him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty eclectic right now. I, I know, like what I just named, there was a lot of older stuff, but there's been some stuff within the last ten years that I've been that I've been listening to here and there. Also, it just doesn't come to mind right now. No worries. No worries. All right, top three places to eat. Three, oh well number one is is my kitchen ah that's a good ah, one yeah <laughs> okay okay i see so, you i see so no, you like turn out the best, but man i really i really just enjoy making a good meal because you can tweak and, uh, it <laughs> tweak it and then sharing it with other people oh that's so nice yes. I, I really enjoy and you that don't so get mad because you paid for some bullshit <laughs> 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 if it turns out really bad, I have no one to blame but myself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> At least I know I didn't waste the money on something that was out of my control. Right. Well, where do you like to waste your money uncontrollably? <laughs> yeah, oh, more. Uh, more? Uh, I, I like Panera. Panera is nice. Mm. And uh, let's see. The third one. This place at uh, 15 and Ryan called Pancho Villas. Oh, okay. Second place. And uh, the only thing I really ever get or have gotten from there is like this. It's like a like a 15-pound burrito that comes in one of those like tinfoil trays. Wow. Oh, man. I, I love that thing. Do you, do you eat the whole 15-pound burrito? Uh, well, I can. I've done it before. <laughs> Oh, I can. Sometimes I choose. That's me. that's more important if whether you do Sometimes or don't. If I, if I want to save a little bit for the next day to have something to eat the next day, then I'll I'll do that. But for those of you, oh man, I don't, I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but for those of of you that know me, I can eat. So I really, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll eat one of those. That's I amazing. will have to challenge you to one a showdown. I, I, Anytime you want, man. You got my number. Text me. We'll come over and we'll make a night of it. We'll, we'll get the uh, the pulled pork. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, you get the pulled pork. I get the burrito. Oh jeez. Oh, yeah. Wait. All right. Next. Uh, uh, least favorite color. Least favorite color. Oh, least favorite. Is this a little spin on the on the most favorite color? Uh, mm. no. This is actually an original. Hmm. Well. T- it's contextual based for me because if you get like there's certain colors that i like if i see them on a card that color is just it just doesn't like i don't like it at all 
like a grass green or something. I really like, like if you look out at a field, really like the light. If you see that grass green color all over the nice field, like sometime in like late spring after a rain, it yeah. looks so nice and pretty. But if you see that same color on a car, sometimes I disagree with it. <laughs> so if, if you want a real answer to that question, you're going to have to give me some context. I guess, uh, I guess that's valid. Uh, that is valid. That is valid. But a question for another time. A question for another time. All right, next one. Handwritten composing or music notation software? Mm, uh, what's your purpose? Um, this will be for your own compositions for a group of people. My own composition, like, so I'm writing and composing something that I'm going to bring into a quartet. Mm-hmm. Or a big band. Like, do you, do you, do you write in the, would you rather handwrite it or would you rather use the music notation software? Uh, I would, the creative process, if I'm writing, definitely much rather handwrite. By far, hands down. It's so much easier. And, uh, so like, wait. I can scratch things out and change things and have reference marks and all that kind of stuff. And it's just much faster for me. Now, if I'm going to do anything like septet or bigger, like maybe an octet or bigger, definitely on the computer because it's just so much easier to line up score stuff. Although I will, ha- I will say that the, the first like big band charts that I tried to do were by hand. So, I mean, take that as you will. I probably wouldn't do big band charts by hand anymore just because it saves time. Because if you mess up, it's the next one. But uh, just like the next one, next question. Uh, favorite composer? Favorite composer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Favorite composer. Does it have to be them as a whole or any specific tune that they have or any specific whole, like, whole composer? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I know. It's a hard one is a hard one but we tailored it just to you because we knew it was going to be hard i mean the 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 answer that's that's closest to my heart would probably be duke ellington Mm. it's a great answer that is a really great answer runner-ups are sebesky for his uh his uh madly gladly sadly there's uh his uh his suite that was tribute to duke that was runner-up, and then as, uh, as commercial as he can sound, as much flack as he gets, man, I, George Gershwin has some stuff down. Or not George Gershwin, um, uh, Gordon Goodwin. Dang. <laughs> I really don't like Gordon Goodwin. Yeah. I like preface, him, too. I like him, too. I'm going to preface that with, I, I can't listen to it all the time, if you know what I mean. I really, I, Man, if, if I'm in, a, in like a compositional or arranging rut man he's a great guy to go to dude you you know who's also great cole porter just put on just a playlist of just cole porter especially mm-hmm. musical anything goes but let's let's this keep is just in the jazz vernacular like the, a, a question for a different like i'm, I'm keeping into the jazz vernacular because that's where i am right now but man th- this whole last semester i was studying uh uh, like with John Anderson and, and Dr. Shandorf uh, over at Wayne State on, on like actual composition. So there's mm-hmm. a, a host of other 
you know, non-jazz idiom composers that, that I learned a lot from. So I suppose that's a question for a different time. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. You'll be back on the show. Yeah. All right. Next question. Next question is tenor sax or alto flute? <laughs> you called it, Dom. I knew it. Oh, I know. It's so choose hard. One to keep? Just which huh? one would you prefer to play? But if you wanted to choose to keep and to make the stakes higher, then we're all for it. Yeah. If you want to make it like that, yes. No, when I when I come back to playing, I've had this real nagging feeling that I want to turn into a baritone saxophone player. Oh, ooh! So, uh, Please do it. This <laughs> part your your question that you asked: tenor or alto flute? Mm-hmm. Other context thing, but if I had to choose, oh, probably more familiar with tenor. But if I had alto flute, I would spend a lot more time on it. So probably alto flute. Ooh, okay, okay. Next one. All right, we have our last one. Next and last uh, rapid fire question is Sonny Rollins or Don Bias? Oh, there's some stuff by both of them that I really like and I really don't enjoy at all. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Dang it, we didn't call it. It's okay. You want some, you lose some. I don't know. It depends on what era, too, you're going to talk about. As far as a, a career as a whole? Oof. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say Don Bias. Mm. All right. Okay. That's awesome. I kind of I call it in my mind. A little win in my mind. Man, I just mm. remember when you hit me to that Don Bias recording with Slam Stewart of I Got Other Rhythm. I Got Rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Don Bias, like, man, he's he's got... A lot of nice recordings that I really learned a lot from, like his his uh, enjoyed his body and soul recording. He had a bunch of other standards. I mean, it's, it's like he's got you know like any player, he's got his thing. Sonny Rollins has his few things, and enjoy them both. Right. I, it, me just too. for me, like the Don Bias, like a lot of him, like just just all his uh, um his. I want to say personality because they they both had personality, but like Don Bias, like sort of the the older school, uh, like swing era, like the scoops and the embellishments and everything. I thought that was real slick. Yeah, yes. man. <clears throat> well, Jason, this has been a this has been a a real honor to not only have you come on one time, but have you close out your interview on a on a second time so we really appreciate it and uh we're gonna we just we have just some things that we want to well first off we want to say thank you for coming Mm -hmm. on the show and if there's anything that you want to leave with the audience it could be a quote or just something you want to say to fellow detroiters or fellow musicians or to the people that that will be listening to this uh go ahead and you can say that now um yeah, I mean, as far as the people in the Detroit and across the, the, the region or anybody that hears this or knows me, just like, just want to wish you a peaceful time. Hope that you're that you're blessed with a lot of healing. And then if you're if you need anybody to, to talk to or reach out to, I'm always available. Go ahead and hit hit, uh, hit me up or give me a call if you just want to talk or if you have any anything that you want to talk about. Just uh, let's let's uh, let's have a nice involved community. 
like it. Yes. Yes. And, and also, we... yeah, go ahead, Dom. J- just one more thing. Uh, if this whole pandemic lifts up, where could we find you? Um, I don't know. It depends on what opportunity presents itself. Like, I'm definitely going to be around playing music because I like it too much to not to. But uh, for a while, man, I just uh, might devote myself to some other things, just like uh, like cultivating deeper friendships with people, um, you know, and enjoying like exploring my whole my whole carpentry thing that I've been into. Um, I don't know. It all it all depends on what opportunities present themselves, and I can't call that right now. So, well, we will definitely keep keep posted on anything that you are doing of course if you have any gigs we will have it posted on our website especially just because you are a detroit musician and we support you 100 percent. so if you ever need anything from us let us know all right sounds good i appreciate you guys uh doing this podcast and uh making the effort and the and the choices to make this happen i really appreciate all the effort that you guys are going through to to, to make something happen and honored to be to be a part of this here and on the podcast and and uh humbled by the fact that that you both would be so gracious and and uh having me on and, and talking about stuff of course awesome. man we, we appreciate it thank you so much we thank all right. you. all right cool well we'll see you guys later take care Thanks again, Jason, for that incredible talk. You can reach us at our website and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned next week where we have the one and only Vincent Chandler.